Well, man, so many areas of need in the world around us, and I am thankful to get to be with y'all as the church gathered here this morning to encounter the Lord together, to let his love and his grace impact our lives, and to be sent into the world around us as his hands and his feet. We are in week two of a sermon series called Come, Grow, Here, where we're talking about the abundant life that's found in Jesus and how we as a church, how we want to grow into that rich, satisfying, abundant life. And so we're going to do week two of that series today. I want to encourage you to take out your Bible, take out your phone, some, something to take notes with. If you need a journal, we have those behind the columns. And we're going to continue on today uh, looking at the abundant life found in Jesus and how do we grow into it. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that he came that we, you and I, might have abundant, rich, satisfying, full life. Every single one of us, young or old, wants a good and rich and full life. And what we see when we look to Jesus is we see that he wants that for us as well. Last week, we went through what does that abundant life look like? Because it's not abundant, rich, satisfying life in terms of what our generation, it tells us is so common are the pathways there. But Jesus' vision for abundant life and his understanding of what really makes for a rich life is very different than what our world says. And so we focused last week on what, what makes, in Jesus' words, what makes for an abundant life. And we said that it was a life of knowing God. We saw that Jesus said that this is abundant life, that you would know God. We saw that it was a life of growing godly character, that it was a life of community, that it was a life of relationships, and that it was a life of purpose. Surely those aren't all the features of the abundant life found in Christ, but those are four that we highlighted last week that are so important. And today what we said we were going to do was not just talk about what that abundant life is like, but how in the world do you and I, how do we grow into that abundant life that we long for and that God longs for us to have? So last week was taking a look at what is the abundant life found in Christ, and this week is talking about how do we grow into that. And my hope for you is that today is not just you, you review some material or learn some material, but that the Holy Spirit sparks something in you, inspires something in you, encourages something in you, that you and I and our church together, that we would enter into a fresh season of growth in our lives into that rich, full, and satisfying life found in Christ. Who's in for that today? Now, one question that you might have as we're talking about this, juxtaposed with the needs that we just listed uh, going on in the world around us is, isn't this a little self-absorbed to just kind of focus on me living my best life when there's so much pain in the world around us, so much brokenness in the world around us. It feels a little like, I don't know, I kind of feel bad focusing on this. On Thursday night, uh, I took my wife out on a date. And uh, yes, date your wife. Uh, and one of the things that we try and do to be active in sharing our faith is when we eat in restaurants, we often tell the waiter or the waitress, we say, hey, we love Jesus 
We believe that he wants to bless people. We're gonna pray for our food, and we would love to pray for any needs that you have in your life as we pray for our food. We believe God wants to bless you. And sometimes it leads to nothing, and sometimes it leads to incredible conversations with the person uh, serving there. If you do that, I would encourage you to tip a large and generous amount. Don't be a cheap tipper while telling someone God wants to bless them. Amen. All the food service people, you give a glory wave on that one. Well, anyway, he, you could tell he was taken off a little bit, taken aback a little bit by the question, and he answered. He's like, well, I guess peace and prosperity for the world, right? He was like not thinking about himself. He was like, man, if God's going to do something, just bless people. You might have that same thought or that same question. So how, as we're talking about a fresh season of growth for us, kind of pales in comparison to the needs around us. You can feel that way sometimes. What I want to do is tell you a story, though, that I think connects the dots and is so powerful and inspiring that shows, no, 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 when we are talking about growing into the abundant life found in Christ for us, it is the best thing we can do for the world around us. So let me tell you a story. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories. It comes at the end of World War II. There was a British soldier named Ernest Gordon who was captured by the Japanese and he was in a prisoner of war camp along with a number of other soldiers. And their assignment was to build a railway through the jungle of Southeast Asia. And it was a brutal assignment. Uh, temperatures were above 100 degrees. They were ill-clothed. They didn't have shoes. There were insects everywhere, disease everywhere. They didn't have the right food. And the guards treated them in brutal and inhumane ways. If you slowed down, it was very likely that you would be beaten or killed to set an example to the other, other prisoners to get back to work. So they said that this was as close to the uh, hell on earth as you could find, right? And that's where it was. They said that the camp that they were staying in was not much better, that because of the environment that they were in, they said the, the prisoners there, their lives were fueled by hate, hate for their captives, wanting to get out and take revenge on them, hate for one another, hating life, and that's what drove them. It was a place marked by death, disease, and loss. And in the midst of that incredibly destructive environment, God did something remarkable in Ernest's life and the life of some of his prisoners who were with him. One day, there was another prisoner who was a believer, was a follower of Jesus. And he stepped forward to take the punishment that a certain supposedly guilty prisoner deserved. He said, I will take the punishment. The punishment was execution. He said, I will take it. And he let the other guy get off. And he was killed there in front of the prisoners. And this sent a shockwave through the prison camp. As people saw this follower of Jesus stepping up, practicing the way of Jesus, living out no greater love as this than a man lay down his life for his friends. And those who remained were stunned by this. They were stunned by his example, and it forced them to go back to the faith of their childhood that many had left and remembered the witness of Jesus, the way of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit started to do something in the wake of this one disciple of Jesus, him stepping forward and sacrificing on behalf of the others. He said, Ernest Gordon said, the environment in the prison camp changed. 
that instead of being survival of the fittest and fueled by hate, people motivated by this prisoner and the example of love and the way of Jesus, they began to treat one another different. Their circumstances around them did not change. It was still hell on earth around them, but God was doing something in them. He was birthing fresh life in them. Hope began to grow in them. Forgiveness began to grow in them. They began to love and serve one another, to sacrifice for one another, to care for one another. Those that had previously been fueled by hate, now there was love, and they started a little church there in the prison camp to reflect on and to meet with the Lord and to talk about how are they going to follow Jesus in this time in their lives. They began a university out of that church to enrich and train the other prisoners. They were so impacted by this, get this, that when the war was over, previously they had been motivated on how were they going to get revenge on their captors, that vengeance was no longer their motive, but what their desire was, was how can we forgive our captors? How can we bless the prison guards that have tormented our lives? How can we show them the love of Jesus as they grew in the life of Christ within them. It transformed the camp that they were a part of. It transformed their community. And through that, it transformed the world around them. So as we grow in the abundant life that's found in Christ in this season, and as we do that as a community together, it's not only going to transform our lives but it's going to overflow into the spheres of influence, the relationships, the workplaces, the neighborhoods, the families that all of us have to bring healing and hope and restoration to the world around us. So actually, the most unselfish thing you can do is focus right now in this time that we have together and this season on what does it look like for me to grow into the abundant life found in Christ? And as you grow, guess what? The world around us is going to experience the fruit of that. As we grow, the world around us is going to experience the healing that comes from that. So we're going to dive in today. We're going to focus on, well, how in the world do we grow into that abundant life? It's not something that just kind of falls on you one day. You don't wake up and it's just like, oh, I'm there. How in the world do we grow? We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, this interaction that Jesus has with uh, what's known as the rich young ruler, a young man who is wealthy and has a moral framework, comes to Jesus, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 21. If you'll turn in your Bibles there, this is so important, and I want to make sure everyone sees this and understands how these connect. Rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, from last week, we saw when we read eternal life in the Bible, what it's meaning is that rich, full, abundant, and satisfying life that's found in God, that God desires for you and me to have. And he's asking, what do I need to do to grow into that? What do I need to do to have that kind of life? The same question that we're trying to answer today. And Jesus interacts with him a little bit and closes their interaction with what I want to point out to you. Jesus looks at him. Jesus loves him. And he says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then note this, 
then come, follow me. Jesus was telling this young man that the way that he was going to grow into the abundant life found in Christ was letting go of all the other stuff that he was holding on to and looking for abundant life in. Saying, I'm not going that way. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be your disciple. It is through discipleship to Jesus, through following Jesus, that Jesus was telling this guy, hey, this is how you grow into the abundant life. Come follow me. And Jesus looks at each one of us today, every one of us with the question in our heart, well, how do we grow into that abundant life? And he tells us the same thing. Let go of all the other stuff you've been looking to and come follow me. Come be my disciple. It is discipleship to Jesus that is the pathway by which we grow into the abundant life found in him. It is in following him that he grows us into that abundant life. I remember when uh, I was in a life group a number of years ago and my life group leader uh, one time asked me to go to coffee and we sat down and he told me, he said, Zach, I've enjoyed getting to know you. Uh, I want you to know something about me. I am committed to making disciples of Jesus, investing in people and helping them follow Jesus. And I would like to invest in you and help you to be a disciple of Jesus. Would you like that? And I'd never been asked that question before. I loved Jesus. I was trying to follow him, but I'd never in a church context had someone say, hey, do you want to do discipleship? Do you want me to invest in you to help you grow? And I had to sit there and think about it for a minute. I didn't really know what that entailed. I was like, I don't know, but I know this is biblical. I know discipleship is in the Bible. I know I want Jesus. So I told him, yes. And you know what? In that moment, that interaction, that began me on a journey that was transformational in my own growth and development in Jesus, in my own experience of experiencing the abundant life. That same question that Jesus told the rich young ruler, come and follow me. The ruler had to make a decision. He had to say, I'm in or I'm not. Now, if you know the story, this guy passed. He said no, but so many others said yes to following Jesus and discipleship. And as we're talking about growing in Christ and growing into the abundant life found in him, that's the question that I want to bring to you that I want to encourage you to write down. Are you a disciple of Jesus? If Jesus looked at you and said, come follow me, what would be the answer that you've given or that you're giving in this season? Maybe you've never thought about that before. Maybe you've never thought about being a disciple of Jesus and, and really following him. Or maybe you've made that decision a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years ago. I find we've got to come back to that decision again and again and again because new seasons bring new challenges. They bring new opportunities. They bring new situations around us. And we have to continually choose to say, Jesus I'm in as your disciple again. And what I want to know, what I want to ask you as we're taking steps this abundant life is, are you a disciple of Jesus? What's the answer for you? Again, I want to encourage you to write this down. As the pastor of this church, as one of the leaders here, what I want you to know 
is that our passion and heart and belief is that discipleship to Jesus is the greatest thing ever. And we want to help each and every one of you grow as a disciple of Jesus. We want to be disciples of Jesus together here in Dallas as a church family, whether you're in our sanctuary, whether you're watching and worshiping with us online, whether you're getting ready to go out with the new church plant, wherever you are, we want to be disciples of Jesus together. And I felt led to bring to you today that question of, are you a disciple of Jesus? And are you doing discipleship to Jesus together with us? Because that's what we're about as a church. That's the way that we grow. That's the way that we grow. Now, let's dig in and, and get a little more practical. When we say discipleship to Jesus and when we talk about growing in him, what exactly does that mean? When my life group leader those many years ago talked to me about that, I had very little clue what exactly were we going to do. I just knew this sounds exciting and I want to grow. I want to walk you through today what does it look like to be in discipleship to Jesus here at Antioch? What is the growth pathway, so to speak, into the abundant life found in Christ that we're pursuing together? And my hope is that as we go through this, wherever you are in the journey, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you, to highlight something to you, to put something on your heart that you're like, you know what? I believe that is a step that God wants me to take in this season as a disciple. And I know that as you respond to the Lord as a disciple, there is going to be new life that grows in you and new life that grows through you. Abundant, rich, full, satisfying life. So let's look at it. Now, if you've been around a while, even a couple of weeks, when I tell you what our pathway is, what does discipleship here look like? You're going to be like, oh, I know that. So here it is. Our mission statement, what we say each and every week that we're sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. This is not just our mission. This is not just our identity. But this is our discipleship pathway. This is our growth pathway. And I want to walk you through each of those phrases so that we together can make sure that we know what those mean and why we're doing this and that we could identify, okay, what is a step for me in this season that we can take together? Okay, so the first phrase that you see in there, sons and daughters, sons and daughters. Remember, we want to grow as disciples because we want to experience the abundant life found in Christ. And discipleship here starts with the phrase sons and daughters. Now, I want to walk you through these. Jasper, could you bring me that Yahtzee box? I don't know if anybody enjoys board games in our church. Any board game fans? Thank you, sir. Any board game fans? My kids enjoy board games, and one of the ones that we play is Yahtzee. Now, you guys, uh, if you've never played Yahtzee, you get dice, you roll them, you're trying to get combinations, and you get a little checklist that along the way, as you roll certain things, you can check it off and put the points in there, and you want to fill out your whole checklist. As I go through these discipleship elements, this is not a game. It is not Yahtzee. It is not a checklist. So everyone here that loves just checking things off the list, please 
do not hear, oh, here's a list of things that I need to do to somehow grow in God or be right with God. No, 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 that's not it. That's not the metaphor. So let the Yahtzee metaphor go. Let's put it down. I'm gonna put it down here on the floor. Okay, and Jasper, can you bring me that dirt? It's pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. Good job. Okay, the metaphor, the guiding metaphor that I want us to use as we talk about this is not a game, not a checklist, but a garden. Everybody say garden. Garden. When we say sons and daughters, this is the soil of the garden. And let me explain that to you. Your life is a seed. What God has planted in you is a seed. And we all know that seeds to grow need to be planted in soil. Soil is the relationships that we plant our lives in. And every single one of us is going to plant ourselves in some sort of relational soil. And the relational soil that you plant yourself in is going to drastically affect the fruit and the life that grows from you. We all know this. I talk to my kids all the time about choosing their friends wisely, right? Because the community that they have, the relationships that they have are going to be the soil that influences the direction that their lives go in. I talked about who are you sitting next to in class? If you're sitting next to the kids that don't care and they're kind of looking around, it's gonna be so hard for you to focus. But if you're sitting next to and friends with the kids that are like really focused in, you're gonna focus in, right? We are affected and influenced by the soil, the relationships that are around us, okay? Um, I love that idea. And so as a church, when we say sons and daughters, we're talking about relationships. When Jesus told the rich young ruler to come and follow him, what he meant was, I want you to come be in relationship with me, and I want you to be in relationship with my discipleship community, with this early church, okay? He was calling them to come and to plant the seeds of this man's life in the soil of relationship with God. And relationship with his people. Relationships are the soil of life. And so when we talk about this first element being sons and daughters, what it means for all of us and the step that maybe is time for you to take is about planting your roots in the soil of discipleship to Jesus, of relationship with Jesus and big and and with his people. Over and over and over again, we see in the Bible that people don't do discipleship to Jesus alone, but Jesus brings us into community with his people. We are sons and daughters. We're a family, okay? So this step is about planting your roots in Jesus and planting your roots in the community of God, the church. This is the soil not a checklist, but an element for growth, an essential for growth. I want to read a testimony from Karen Sanchez. Karen, are you in here? All right, not in here right now, but uh, she's got a testimony about what God has done in her life through planting herself in Jesus, with Jesus and with his people, the church. She said this, prior to moving to Dallas three years ago, I lived in Lubbock. During my time there, I didn't get plugged into a church community that I could call home. I knew I wanted to live a life surrendered unto the Lord, but my walk with him was inconsistent. 
I'd grown too comfortable in my own ways, and that prevented me from fully stepping into what God had for me. When I moved to Dallas, I knew I didn't want to live that way any longer. Immediately, I joined and committed to Antioch, Dallas, and got plugged into a life group. I was talking about planting roots in the soil. And I can confidently say that was the best decision I could have made in that season. I'm deeply grateful for the role life group has played in my life. And I've been stretched, challenged, called higher, and encouraged in the ways of the Lord. My life group has become my family in Dallas, sons and daughters. I count on their support when seasons are hard and know they will constantly point me back to Jesus. I'm so thankful for Antioch Dallas and my life group and the role they have played in my faith. So here she is moving to Dallas, realizing, you know what? I want to grow in God. I've been inconsistent. I'm going to plant with Jesus and with his people. I'm going to put my roots down here. And that's one of the elements in our discipleship pathway. So if you're saying yes to being a disciple, my next question to you, my next point to you is, okay, let's focus on being sons and daughters. Let's focus on planting our roots in Jesus and in community with his people. The practical action step, because I'm not just trying to give you information today, I want to motivate you and inspire you and challenge you to take action, is to go through our planted course. Our planted course is designed to help you plant roots in Jesus and with his people, okay? In that course, we will help you get connected here. We'll help you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'll help you get started, Right, And we want to help you grow by being a son or daughter here. So if you haven't been through Planted or you know what, COVID, you kind of disengage for a while and you're, you're coming back, right? but it's been a while, go through the next Planted. That's the step for you that we believe God will use in your life to help you grow. Now notice, that didn't happen for Karen overnight. Planted is not a magic formula, but it is a step. It is a decision. It is a decision that influences a direction to say, here is where I'm going to plant. In this good potting soil of Jesus and his people, I'm going to commit and I'm going to build those type of relationships, sons and daughters. Everybody say sons and daughters. Now, if you've been here a while and you meet someone that's newer to our church and they're talking about getting involved, I want you, I want to encourage you, point them to plant and say, have you been through Planted, right? We want planted to be a place where people can get what? Planted in Jesus and then with his people. Now, second element, second growth element, second part of the ecosystem, if we can go back to our phrase, sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, is encounter Jesus. So everybody say that with me, encounter Jesus. And what we mean by that is that we don't just want to say, yeah, you know what, I decided to follow Jesus and I committed to the church, but then we just kind of stop there. Soil is a starting point for growth. It's not an end point, right? Soil is the beginning. You get planted there, but now it's time for the seeds to grow. And when we're sons and daughters, we're getting planted with God and with his people, but it's encountering Jesus that then helps us to grow. Just like the, the seed needs more than the soil. It needs water. Jasper, can you bring me that watering can? I asked him to stay and help me today with the sermon. 
Come on, buddy. Thank you. You're doing a good job. Watering can, right? Plants, they need soil. They need other things like sunlight and water. Encountering Jesus is like the water that helps the seed of God in our life to grow, helps the abundant life in, our, in, our, abundant life in us in Christ to grow in our lives. We want to be sons and daughters who encounter Jesus. Now, we say at the end of most every service, our church declaration, it's based on Isaiah 61. I want to turn your attention there. For the rest of the service, we'll be in Isaiah 61. But it talks about why we want to encounter Jesus, why we believe his water, his presence is so important to our lives. Isaiah 61. This says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. This is what Jesus used to launch his ministry. He came and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord, the father has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Right. He's talking about I have come to encounter people and to bring those things, to bring good news to the poor, to bring sight to the blind, to bring freedom to the captives, to bring a day of favor and a day of vengeance against injustice. This is why I've come to encounter people. And when we say we want to encounter Jesus, we're saying, man, I want to know him. I want to encounter. I need him to come and to proclaim good news into my poverty. I need him to come and proclaim sight into my blindness. I need him to proclaim freedom to my captivity. And you do too. Right? And so this is why we want to encounter him. And his water is like the water that grows the seed. Now, how? How do we do that? This is obvious, but it's often overlooked. This step. How do we do this as a church? One of the main ways that we do this together is by gathering consistently on Sunday mornings like you've done today to build in that watering rhythm in our lives. Jesus, in fact, took his disciples into this type of watering rhythm for them. In Luke chapter four, it describes Jesus. It said he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, note this, as was his custom. What did Jesus do? It was customary for him weekly to go into the synagogue, to gather with God's people, to hear God's word, to praise God, to pray. And as his disciple, when he's saying, come follow me, what's he leading him into? He's leading him into environments and habits like this. Now, that wasn't the only place that his disciples encountered the Lord, but that consistency of gathering with the people of God opened up ability for them to encounter the Lord in all sorts of ways, but they maintained that habit. And followers of Jesus for thousands of years have found it so helpful in following his example of, I'm starting my week gathering with the people of God like we're doing today. I'm starting my week focusing on worshiping God on bringing my offering, on hearing God's word, on being with God's people. And our hope and prayer and what we work for is that these services would be a place that's like a watering hole for you, where you could encounter the Lord's presence. And then encountering his presence here consistently would help you on the daily 
to encounter him. So when we say sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, we're talking about the practical step of being consistent in Sunday worship so that you can have that watering rhythm in your life to help you grow. And our hope is that that water spills into every day, but it starts somewhere. So if you have not been in the habit of being consistent on Sundays, I want to challenge you in this season. You have everything against you. I realize that. But I want to challenge you in this season to say, you know what? I'm going to start my week each week as best I can with the people of God. I'm going to start by gathering. I'm going to start by bringing my song. I'm going to start by bringing my offering. I'm going to bring my Bible. I'm going to be ready because we're going to meet with God together. Okay? If you've been a little iffy or inconsistent or you got some, let, let, let's realign. Let, let's, let's get that watering habit so that we can grow together. Okay? Now, starting next week, we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews together for the next nine weeks. And we're going to be focused on how do we develop resilience? How do we develop spiritual strength for the trials and temptations that we're all facing every day? And the book of Hebrews is going to help us there. So next week, we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews. And if you're like, man, I'm I'm planted in this church. This is where I want to be. This is your next step. Let's be consistent on Sunday so that we can encounter the Lord together. Amen? Okay, let's go back to our phrase, sons and daughters who encounter Jesus. And we're going to look at our third element, not a checklist. Please do not walk out of here with, well, I got a hundred things to do. No, no, no. I'm asking you about the growth elements, the ecosystem of your life. And I'm sharing with you what we have here as a church to help everyone grow. We have individual ministries like premarital or pure desire uh, that, that can help specific people grow. Those are awesome. I love those. But these are things that we do together, all of us, that we want everyone to do as a disciple of Jesus. These are the growth environments we want everyone to be in so that you can grow into who God has made you to be. So we're sons and daughters who encounter Jesus. Everybody say that with me. We're sons and daughters who encounter Jesus and practice his ways. Here's here's where we're going to focus on the next growth element. Now, Marshall, could you bring me that uh, tomato cage? Yeah. Okay. What you'll see here is called a tomato cage. And if you're a gardener or you have experience with gardening or farming or those type of things, you know that master gardeners often use structures to help plants grow. You see? Flip it over. I, th- I think it's like this. We'll just go. We'll just go with it. Okay. All right. Um, I'm a master gardener, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, we can all laugh at ourselves sometimes, you know. Okay. Anyway, think in your mind a vineyard, a trellis for a vineyard. Or if you see trees planted around that have stakes and rope holding them straight, structure, or tomato plants. Growing up, my dad would always plant tomatoes, and he would always have these cages that would help, supposedly help the tomatoes grow strong and healthy. In the Christian life, we all need some structure in our lives 
to help us grow. When we say practicing his ways, we're talking about a few structures, a few kind of poles that are designed to help you grow. The structure is not the magic, but the Holy Spirit uses structure in our lives to bring fresh life. Turn back in your Bibles to Isaiah 61, or we can pull up the second part of Isaiah 61. And I love, love, love this passage. And we say this in our declaration, I want to make sure you understand. So Jesus comes and we encounter him, but I want you to note the transformation that happens as we do. It says that he came to comfort all who are mourning, to provide for those who grieve, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they'll be called oaks of righteousness. Everybody say oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So when you read this, man, my heart is just drawn to this, right? This is abundant life, a transformed life where there's beauty in the place of ashes. There's provision in the place of mourning. There's joy in the place of despair, praise, all those things that's a changed life. When we practice the way of Jesus, the structure or the habits that we have, the Holy Spirit works through those habits to bring about this transformation. This is such an important truth. So when we say practice as ways, we're talking about the structures or the habits that we do together that the Holy Spirit uses to bring about fresh growth and transformation in our lives. So let's go through those things. There are four specific structures or rhythms that are a part of this. And if you are planted here and you've been coming on Sundays, you're getting consistent, I want to point you next to practicing his ways and building a few habits or structures that are going to help you grow. The four for our church family, and these are things that we want everyone to participate in. It may take you a while to get there. That's okay. Everyone's on their own journey, but this is something that we want for everyone. Number one, when we say practice ways, we grow as disciples in life groups. There are amazing things that happen in our relationship with God when we gather in rows like this. There's incredible worship, we're working to preach God's word each and every week. There's going to be prayer, opportunities to give, all of those things. But there's a different dynamic when we gather in circles. When we gather in living rooms, when we gather around tables, there are things that happen there when we have that little structure in our lives that help us to grow by practicing his ways, help our lives to be transformed. In, in life groups, we have an opportunity to really get to know people and for them to really get to know you. We have an opportunity to be real with our lives. We have an opportunity to talk about, man, what is God calling me to? What am I struggling with? Where do I need help? We have an opportunity to encourage one another. In that environment, that is where we grow as disciples. And so if you've been coming on Sunday, you're, you're planted, right? I want to encourage you, if you've not jumped in, to jump in a life group. If you've been around for a while, our life groups are starting back up for the fall, let's re-engage again. Because it's this structure that the Holy Spirit uses to bring about that transformation, that oaks of righteousness that we're talking about. 
Second part of the structure. So if that's this one, here's this one. We go as disciples on serve teams. Our serve teams are where we come together as a church to go and make disciples. And I want to challenge you. Oh my goodness. That conversation I had with my life group leader where he invited me into discipleship, life-changing. What happened a few months later when he said, hey, now I want to help you disciple someone else. As I took that step, it was like a whole nother dimension of growth opened up in my life. And if you have ever invested in someone else, served on a team, you know what I'm talking about. I'm looking around the room and so many of you, I know this is your story too. We want to be a church where we're growing as disciples in life group and we're going on serve teams. So I want to encourage everyone. What team are you on? Where are you putting your gifts and your talents and your strengths to work? Where are you going as a disciple? Because there are going to be things that grow in you as you go that aren't going to happen in other environments. Okay? So we want to be on a serve team. We go as disciples on serve team. We give as disciples. Another part of structure. We give as disciples through tithes and offerings. Jesus was going to challenge in the gospels his disciples about the way that they use their resources. Each and every month, when my wife and I, when we tithe, it is a decision to say, okay, we are going to be a generous people, family. We are going to prioritize giving to the Lord. We're going to prioritize sowing into the church. We're going to prioritize blessing people with our resources. And that simple structure or habit, we online, automated, it's awesome. But when we do that, that structure drives a value deep within us. The structure is not the life, but the structure creates the life, stimulates the life, grows the life within us. The Holy Spirit uses structure and habits to help us grow. So I want to challenge you, just like I'm challenging you to get in a group, and just like I'm challenging you to serve on a team, I want to challenge you to honor the Lord with your tithes and offerings. So we Grow as disciples in groups. I, get, I got one amen on that one. Let's go over a few. We, go as, we grow as disciples in groups. We go as disciples on teams, right? And we give as disciples through tithes and offerings. Can I hear an amen? Right. So if you have not given, I want to encourage you to take that step. If you're giving, I want to encourage you. Look at what God's bringing in. And okay, are we aligned for this season? But I want to challenge you and encourage you to embrace that as one of the ways that we practice the way of Jesus together. Number four, we gather new disciples through intentionally invitating friends. It's a new word I made up. Uh, inviting friends and family to join you. All throughout the Gospels, when Jesus called people to, disciple, to, to be disciples, right? They're going, they're grabbing their brother, they're grabbing their neighbor, they're grabbing their cousin, right? They're, they're inviting them in. And that's another structure or habit that we want to embrace that helps us to practice the way of Jesus. And as we practice the way of Jesus, those habits, the Holy Spirit uses them to grow us. And those are four that we want everyone to participate in over time. Okay, may take you a while to get there. That is okay. We're not on a checklist. We're talking about a garden, but this is our heart for everyone to help you grow into the abundant life found in Christ. Okay, last one that we're going to cover. If we can go back to our phrase, we're sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and this last one, build his kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. 
This is so exciting. In Isaiah 61, at the end of the passage, uh, it shifts gears. And after saying that we would be called oaks of righteousness, plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor, look what it says. It says they, those prisoners that found freedom, those blind that found sight, those poor that found hope in Christ, those mourning that found joy, that, that they would rebuild the ancient ruins. They would restore the places long devastated. They would renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generation. Essentially, that the growth that happened in them would not just stop in them, but that God would work through them to rebuild, to restore, and to renew the world around them. Oaks, those oaks of righteousness aren't just about them, but oaks are an important contributor to the environment around them. Their shade, their sources of oxygen, their roots help the soil to stay stable. They're important contributors, and that's what we grow into, and that's the next phase in our growth. So if you are planted in the church, you're, you're gathering here on Sunday, you're doing those habits, what's next? Well, we want to be those that rebuild, restore, and renew the world around us. We want to build God's kingdom, build for God's kingdom here in our city, our nation, and nations of the earth. How do we do that? What's the growth step there? There are two of them that I want to highlight, two, two parts of that growth. One is Antioch Discipleship School. Antioch Discipleship School is a 10-month program that we do to help you not just grow in Christ, but to display a splendor, to be a renewer, to be a rebuilder, to be a restorer. We've done that school for, I believe, 11 or 12 years now. I want you to know we're going to put it on pause for this semester so that we can refine a few things about the experience, and it will be starting in January. So if you are saying, man, I've always wanted to go through Antioch Discipleship School. I lead that school. I'm excited about it. Jump in with me in January. We're going to have an amazing 2022. And then second part, as you go through that school, our goal is, again, not to check it off and be like, great, got the t-shirt, but it's about who we become in Jesus. And if you've been through that school, what we want to be about together are being those oaks of righteousness together, plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor, that we would show people around us that they would see by the way that we live, the way that we love, and the way that we lead, they would see the majesty of God through us, that people's lives would be restored, renewed, and rebuilt through you and me and what God does in us. And I want to close um, by sharing uh, an image that Mary Beth DeBrot, uh, <clears throat> who I believe is serving kids today, shared with me from a prayer meeting we had all together that I thought was just the perfect image to close with and the picture that I want to paint to you. If you've been through Antioch Discipleship School, I want to personally connect with you over this semester and talk about how we are being oaks together. But this picture is something I want to leave everyone with, and we can have it up on the screen this is what she sent to me. She said, as we were praying, I heard the phrase from the Lord that, that God was speaking, putting it on my heart, that he was reforesting Dallas. And I started seeing all of this concrete around us breaking up because underneath the roots of the trees were breaking through the ground, native trees to be exact. They were growing up and things that were hard and stagnant were being broken up. And trees were growing out of the land. And as I, as I heard this, 
uh, I learned, or later I learned that Dallas long ago used to be a forest. And so when I saw this vision, I immediately felt like the Lord was speaking a few things, that there are things here that were before that God has wanted to bring back. That sounds like restoration, renewing, and rebuilding to me. That trees are hosts of life. They're not only vital to humans, but what they do to our carbon dioxide, but they provide shade, shelter, and nourishment. Trees have roots that go deep to sustain the life that they need and weather changes and changes that happen through the season. Trees have extensive roots and the spiritual significance there is obvious. Third, God is wanting to break up the hard, impenetrable, cold ground that is here in Dallas and bring life and restore life. So let's reforest Dallas together. And that's our desire when we say build God's kingdom is that we would allow the Lord to plant us in all the places that he has for us, in all the areas of need. And by being there, that you and I and us as a community would be a source of life, of restoration and renewal. So that as we grow in Christ, as we grow in the abundant life that's found in Jesus, that we would become those sources, those conduits of renewal and rebuilding for the world around us. So as we close today, here's what I'd like to do. It's something a little different than what we normally do. But I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about what step he has for you from what was shared today. I believe God has growth for you and for us in this season. So if you're new to this, what that might mean is as one of those was shared, it was like, you know, I don't know. There's just something about that. Uh, something highlighted about that, something that just stuck with me about that. We're gonna take a moment to pray. And rather than just talking to God, I just wanna encourage you to be still and to listen. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And then how do we need to respond together? So if you'd bow your heads with me, my hope is that every one of us would leave with a step coming out of today, an element of growth that God has for us in this season. Jesus, thank you that uh, you have come, that we may have abundant life. Thank you that you are the master gardener, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every person in our church, every person gathered here in the sanctuary, every person worshiping with us online or on the podcast. Lord, I'm asking that you would speak and that you would highlight what is that step of growth that you're calling each one of us to take. Maybe it's to get planted in the church. Maybe it's to be consistent on Sundays. Maybe it's to join or reinvest in a group or a team or to give or to invite. Maybe it's to go through ADS or it's, it's vision for the area that you've called us to. God, would you speak? So just here in silence as the music plays, let's listen to the Holy Spirit.